All my life, I've always wanted to fly. I always wanted to live like a hawk. I know you're not supposed to be jealous of anything, but to take flight, to soar above everything and everyone, now that's living. Mike, who gives a fuck about reputation? Welcome to Avant Bard, a podcast where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that upstart crow himself, William Shakespeare. My name is Megan Charlo, and I use she-her pronouns. And my name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he-him pronouns. Today, we are discussing the film, Oh, Othello. Oh. Because it's like in quotes, right? Yeah. Oh, Othello. Othello. Oh. Is a modern reinterpretation of William Shakespeare's Othello, set in the American South at a prestigious high school level academy with dorms, so it's easy to get away with shit, so adults aren't around all the time. It's almost like college, but actually it's high school, because why wasn't it just in college? Because they wanted to appeal to the high school crowd. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. The screenplay of O was developed at the Sundance Institute Writers Lab by Brad Kaya, who was drawing on his experience as a black teenager in a mostly white high school. And after he wrote it, he sent the script to director Tim Blake Nelson, who is a famed character actor, who was initially not interested at all in the script because he viewed it as yet another teenage adaptation of Shakespeare's work. But those are the best. Listen, it was a huge thing in the 90s. I'm sad it stopped. I would love to see a million adaptations of Shakespeare in high school. I want to see Shakespeare High School, the musical, the Shakespeare High School (laughs) musical TV show. You do, Megan? Yeah. Okay. However, after reading the script, Nelson decided, you know, this really is going deeper than anything else. And so he decided to do it. Well, that's because it's a tragedy and not a comedy like all the other. Yeah, it had deeper themes and it wasn't just like jokey jokes. I put tampons up my nose. (laughs) I firmly believe that that was what killed the genre was She's the Man. So O was released on August 31st, 2001, and was delayed from its original planned release date of October 17th, 1999, my seventh birthday. Oh, what a sad time you didn't get that present for your seventh birthday. Yeah, I didn't even get to see O. It was delayed, sadly, because of the Columbine shooting, which is pretty rough. But this does deal with a lot of murderous teens. So I totally understand pushing it back. You know, it pushed it back only to be released like 11 days before September 11th. But there's no planes in this. Yeah, no, thankfully. But but like, what is just a bad time for What a cursed film. (laughs) Yes. It ended up making $19 million on a $5 million budget. So that's pretty good even though the reviews for this film were mixed. But, like, if you compare it to other teen comedies at the time, this made, like, none pizza with left beef. Like, $19 million is chump change. And in comparison to 10 Things I Hate About You, which made $53 million, this isn't a lot. 
Well, also, if you just talk to people, a lot of people have seen 10 Things I Hate About You. And if you mention, oh, a lot of people will say, what? Here's how the conversation goes. Have you seen Oh? Oh? It was Othello, but set in a high school. Oh! <laughs> so Oh is a movie concerning the 90s slash early 2000s anxieties of teenage life filled with drugs, alcohol, sex, and the scariest thing of all, parental expectations. The director, Tim Blake Nelson, made the young actors watch news footage of high school shootings on set, put the basketball players in an intense training camp in order to make the basketball scenes look realistic, and, funnily enough, had the actors perform as their characters in Shakespeare's Othello behind the scenes in order to make the emotions as real as possible. Wait, so like they were all method acting? So what or they, were they performing Shakespeare's Othello between shots? At the end of the day, they would have the play in front of them and they would perform as their characters saying the lines of Othello in order to better connect it to the O. Okay. Just so they could like understand what the text was because these are teens. Smart. So. They likely haven't read Shakespeare's Othello well enough to know the characters if they've read it at all. I think it's time, Megan. We were talking about actors doing acting things behind the scenes. So it's time for Marquez's acting corner. Ooh, everyone's so happy. Megan is cheering. You can't see it, but Megan is smiling sagely and giving me a thumbs. Let the record show <laughs> Megan is silent looking at the notes. So Mackay Pfeiffer, who plays Odin James, our Othello, was offered the role by Tim Blake Nelson after his work in the 1997 film Soul Food. He would later go on to a major role in the film Eight Mile and starred in ER for six straight seasons. He also has a rather large role in the Divergent series of films. I have seen none of these. <laughs> Julia Stiles, who plays Desi, is a part of a grand tradition of three actors now who have starred in two things that we've covered on the podcast. This is also our second of three Julia Stiles Shakespeare performances, and I am so happy that she's back, even though she is not as big as she was in Ten Things. Ten Things was first, right? They were shooting around the same time, and again, this film got delayed, so this film was supposed to debut in the same year as 10 Things They Hate About That's You. That's too much. That would have been too much. I'm glad that, see, I'm not glad that this film got pushed back, but I secretly am for at least Julia Stiles not having a huge amount of Julia Stiles all at once. And then- People getting tired of her. Yeah. Speaking of- People getting tired of people? Yes. What? Josh Hartnett. Are people tired of Josh Hartnett? I'll get into it, man. Oh, okay. So Josh Hartnett plays Hugo, Ariago. He was a late 90s heartthrob. He was everywhere in the 90s, Megan. Well, yeah, no, I know that because I remember going to Kohl's and seeing shirts with images on them that said, like, Mrs. Hartnett. Yes, he was huge, but then people really got tired of him. He was a breakout star in Halloween H2O. Halloween water. 
which was supposed to be the 20th anniversary of Halloween, but the way that they marketed it made it sound like it was Halloween water. So he was big in that, which later went on to roles in The Faculty. I love that film. You do love that film. That's where you know Josh Hartnett from. That's really probably the only other movie of his I've seen. (laughs) He was in Virgin Suicides, 40 Days and 40 Nights. And the big flop from Disney, Pearl Harbor. There's a Disney movie about Pearl Harbor? Yeah, Megan. Disney? Yeah. Okay, it, was, can... it was supposed to be their big historical drama. No. And then it And it was an absolute flop. Nobody went to see it and everyone dislikes it. I'm shocked that no one went to see the kids' mouse studio do a Pearl Harbor movie. Well, they put it under, I believe, Touchstone, which is their... uh, We don't want to put this on our name. Yes. Okay. I think he's a good actor, and he was also one of my sister's childhood crushes. I remember very distinctly having a faculty poster in my house. Wow! Yeah. He's seen some relatively recent work in the show Penny Dreadful, where he plays someone who's queer. And I'm like, hey now, Josh Hartnett. There's just something about Josh Hartnett that annoyed people in the early 2000s. And it was just because they kept trying to put him in films, and the films just didn't work. And they would try again to make the films work, and then that film didn't work. And then eventually people just got super tired of seeing Josh Hartnett in things, which culminated in the film Lucky Number Slevin, which was like most of the marketing was like Josh Hartnett's in a towel for the first 30 minutes of the movie. He's only in a towel. And it's like, okay, what's this film about? So yeah, people got tired of him. And possibly the biggest actor in the film is Martin Sheen who became attached to this film as he is a personal friend of Tim Blake Nelson. He's from Apocalypse Now, Wall Street, The Departed, West Wing. As we all know, he was Uncle Ben to Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker in The Amazing Spider-Man. His biggest role, we all remember him as Uncle Ben. Honestly, I do. I have not seen any of these other things. Megan, I am... The least surprised that you know Martin Sheen from The Amazing, the Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man. This is the least surprising Like, Megan I know thing. he's in West Wing. Yeah. I've seen ads. And also, Andrew Keegan is Joey in 10 Things I Hate About You. We've covered him before. He is! <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's the fourth person, but he's also one that, like, he's not that big. That's all I have to say about him. Also, Martin Sheen plays the coach... And Andrew Keegan plays Michael. So Othello was written by William Shakespeare, most likely around 1603, based on the Italian writer Cynthia's Un Capitano Moro. Othello deals with a general of Venice named Othello who is othered from the people around him because he is a Moor, a Muslim inhabitant of the lower Iberian Peninsula, but also totally a person of color. His characterization and his status in the play are entirely predicated on this fact. I just want to state right here, Othello is a play about race relations and how this man suffers from the expectations and pressures of the world around him. As it deals with such themes, and we live in a world of racism, most of the performance history of the play is rife with blackface. 
And since the depiction of Othello in the play is one in which he has a seizure because he is so full of rage and he also murders his wife in a jealous rage, it is often seen by some black actors as not quite an ideal role. And boy howdy, I cannot blame them. Also, a black man did not portray Othello on a film screen until Lawrence Fishburne in 1995. So, this was one of the first black Othellos on screen. (laughs) Wowee. That's so bad. It's really bad, Megan. I would also like to state, in case you only listen to our voices and don't know anything about us, we are not black. We will make comments that something seems uncomfortable. But we don't know exactly just how much or if we're walking on eggshells a little bit because that's better than being fucking rude. Yeah. And there are probably things that are offensive that we won't even pick up. Or things that really connect with you that we will never pick up. Right. So We'd love to hear those things. Watch the film for yourself if, at the end of this, you don't know how to feel about it. But Othello isn't only about race. It is also about trust and how you cannot truly know the intentions of your fellow human beings. As Othello is manipulated by someone who he considers his friend, Iago. Which connects to King James' distrust of people, because he grew up almost always getting assassinated because of his connection to the throne. There are many times where he was almost killed. Trust was a big thing with King James. It also connects with Macbeth, about how Macbeth kills Duncan. Iago is somebody who Othello thinks he can trust, but the whole time he is lying and you can't really tell anyone's intentions in this world. But one thing that we don't know really from the play is what Iago's intentions are, why he is doing this. He gives several reasons for in the play, but... Since he gives several, what's the actual truth? Yes. Why does Iago betray Othello? Why does he hate him so much? And what I want to explore, especially as we discuss O, is how does that intention and the racial components translate to the modern era? or at least the late 90s, early 2000s, because also race relationships are different now than they were then. But where do we stand in the early 2000s, I think is an important question to keep in mind as we discuss O. I do want to give a quick content warning, because this film includes a lot of things that aren't great. In this episode, there are going to be discussions of racial profiling. High school students who want to kill each other and then do sexual assault. And the politics of sexual assault. And the politics of sexual assault and victim stuff. I can't think of the words. Racial slurs. We won't say the racial slurs, but people say them and we have to bring it up. Other slurs. Basically, this film has a lot of really problematic stuff in it. And to avoid discussing it would mean that we're giving you an imperfect picture of what this film is. So we just want to make sure that you have a heads up that these sort of topics are going to come up in this episode. And also, if you watch the film, they do not give you a warning before you watch the film. So if you want to watch the film yourself, 
yeah, that stuff's in there. So best to be prepared. Let's start, Megan. Oh. Okay, this is not really how to do it though. But the Miramax theme plays, and I don't know why it always makes me feel like it's gonna be a horror film. Oh, you mean the yeah is it just because it's like slightly halloween melody ish want to know what it is or like kind of twilight zoney it is repeated chords on the piano i think is what is really like striking you it does sound very halloweeny but they stop playing it and i take a breath and then they start playing ave maria well it's also because you saw the faculty that's oh, yeah, name. no, the faculty is kind of spoopy. Your most watched Miramax film, Megan? Probably. <laughs> Again, the Ave Maria plays from Verdi's Otello. Oh. We also see doves fly across the scene, which means that this movie is artistic. <laughs> I'm going into this knowing that this film takes place in a high school, and I can't help but just love this weird to me, juxtaposition when it's like, this takes place in a high school. And it's like, yeah, everything's so serious and life or death and things. And I know that it is because it's Othello, but it just seems silly because it's a high school. I always wanted to be a hawk. Look at this hawk and these doves on the screen. Oh, yeah. Hawks. So, so cool. You're in high school. You're a baboo. You don't know anything. I'm 20 fucking eight, and I don't know anything. How can you know things? I do think that this is actually a really good way to meet Iago's character, Hugo, because it's very much, I want to soar above everyone. I want to be above the rest. I think I deserve to be better. Listen, I understand Hugo way more than I understand Iago's motivations in the first like 10 minutes of this film. So that's pretty nice. And a common high school want to stand out. Stand out. Because in high school you are very regimented and there's a social hierarchy there that you just want to break out from. I do not condone any of Hugo's actions in this film. No. And so we see some basketball boys. Basketball never changes. <laughs> it's, this is the third time it's come up. They're playing a game. There's a crowd there. And what we see is that the mascot for this team is a trained hawk. That just flies around? Where is the master for this hawk? No, no, no. Why don't they just have a high schooler in a hawk costume? Why do they have a real hawk flying around this game where balls go in the air and could hit the hawk. I think it is solely because later on we have scenes where Hugo is fucking around with this hawk with its little like hawk hat on that blinds it from seeing things and so we can have a metaphor about he's fucking with uh, no with Odin. Stupid. I'm sorry. This is not cool. Yeah. It's... A high school is not allowed to do this. Yeah. I'm sure if we looked it up, we will find a bunch of high schools that have this and we'd be like, oh, no. See, the thing is, I'm sure they still wouldn't let the hawk fly around (laughs) freely during the game. I'm certain that that's some kind of animal abuse. We get the first sense of the social hierarchy of the basketball boys in which the coach is like, give the ball 
to Odin or Michael. If you see Hugo out there, he's just a decoy. Like a decoy duck. He's nowhere near a hawk. He's a duck. duck. But also it's like, fuck those guys. They suck. The way the coach is talking, it's like, those motherfuckers, don't you dare fucking even look at them in the eye. Don't give them the ball. Don't you fucking dare interact with them in any way she performed. I hate them. They suck. It's basically what he sounds like. Them being Hugo. Yes. And it's fucked up. And you can definitely see like, yeah, I could see Hugo hating his dad. It provides another motivation okay, for Hugo. Okay, here's the thing, though. You're already bringing up something that threw me, like, way later in the movie. Because you're like, well, yeah, the coach is his dad. And I guess since we're bringing that up now, the coach is his dad? Okay, here's the thing. He seems like the kind of person who would just call his player's son. Like, yeah. all right, son. Like, to everyone. Yeah, so it's not brought up now, but it is brought up later, but before you figure it out, Megan. Because it's given away in, like, one line in a locker room scene, and you didn't catch it, and that's totally cool. Some sports ball happens. The Wild Hawks win. We're so happy, but also Hugo is left out because he wasn't involved in the winning play or whatever they call them in basketball. You can see some, like, strings of jealousy. Here's the thing, though. A majority of the team isn't part of the winning shot. Get over yourself. Yeah, at least you're not on the bench. You're literally at least the decoy, which means you are good enough at the game that they'd put you as a decoy that the other team will think he's the one who's going to make the winning shot. So we have to block him. Yeah, but he's not the star of the team. Oh man. my God. F off. I Okay, continue. And then we get our title card, a big O. Because that's the name. It's going to be a big thing for me. I love that this film is named Oh. Oh. And then when it's put somewhere else, they have to put in parentheses Othello. Othello. Because the movie's just called O. It's not called Odin, which is the name of the character. It's just called... Well, because if it was named Odin, people would think it's going to be some mythology shit. What does O tell you about the movie? You should just call it the basketball player of insert name of this high school. Or you could call it something like Hawks and Doves. That's a terrible name. O is far better. No, no, I will fight you. What does O tell you about the movie? Just to take a little break, I need to tell you, slash the audience, that the name of the movie is O, and the tagline of the poster was, Everything Comes Full Circle. I think it's called O because there isn't a better name, even if it's a bad name. What about just Hawks or Above or something like that? Here's the thing. Is is 10 Things I Hate About You a good title? Yeah. Is She's the Man a good title? No. No. Is Romeo plus Juliet a good title? Yes. I agree with you. I think that the plus makes it a good title. Because it modernizes it. So here's what I think the issue is. O wants to connect it to Othello while also modernizing it. And there's not a good way to do that because- Odin James- Well, because the problem is, if you do something like the hawk soars above, like, you start getting into the movie genre feel of, like, the bumblebee flies anyway, and that's not what this is. Yeah. I think you convinced me. I think O might be the only Only good title for this film. It's not even good. It's the best title for this film. I will say, though, it is so bad that it is memorable. Yeah. Oh, talk aside, we get a loving shot of a tree, which is something that's come up 
before on this podcast and probably will again. It's such an easy way to do an establishing shot of just like a tree. But I would like to point out that this film came close to filming in Toronto for economic reasons, but the decision was made to film entirely on location in Charleston, South Carolina, which I think is super interesting because most films nowadays are not shot on location. Yeah. And the fact that this small $5 million budget movie decided to film on location. Especially because most of it happens in places where you could easily film it somewhere else and just say, it's South Carolina. And people would go, yeah, sure. I don't know what the difference between a school in South Carolina looks like. What they really wanted was the moss on the trees and the antebellum architecture. That's what they really wanted to showcase to just show that Odin is in a place that hates him. It's a little on the nose, and I think it adds something to the film. I don't think if you lost the location, you would lose the film. No. I think this is a story that could happen anywhere because racism is freaking everywhere. Yes, because that's the thing. I think people hate on the South a lot. Yeah. Just because of the Civil War, as though racist towns exist everywhere, like you said. Well, because, like, even if it was, like, it's a town with a higher population of people of color, it's like, yeah, but if you go to a rich school, there's probably a bunch of racist assholes there. This film could be set in Evanston, Illinois, and I think it could just be believable that it happened there. We're at a pep rally, and the coach is like, wow, we did great. And again, his name is Duke, but his name is Duke Golding, and he's the Duke. And then he calls up the person who made everything possible. The MVP. Odin James. And he says, I love him like my own son. I know you're going to say that sounds weird. I think what makes it weirder is before he says that, he says, I'm proud to say this publicly. Yes. That stinks of, I'm a good white person. I'm proud to publicly say, I like a black kid. That is what I believe is the weird part of it. I mean, granted, I think it's weird if any coach said, I love this player like my son. Especially since it's not like he treats him like a son and like he comes over and like kind of helps raise Odin or anything. No. He also has a son. But I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. But I like that with that knowledge of just like Hugo sitting there and being like, cool, you don't because of how much you don't love me. Yeah. And like, okay, you love this guy like a son, but what about your actual son? I want to put this into the air Mm -hmm. and we can come back to it. Does making this part of Hugo's backstory slash motivations work? This whole jealousy, because that's not part of the play. This is a huge departure where we have a father figure for Iago that loves Othello. Because, of course, in the play, they're both part of the military, and Othello is the general, and Iago's just his standard bearer, his ancient. And that is translated into a paternal figure and positions on a basketball team. Odin is the MVP, while Iago is a player. A player. Does adding that dad aspect work? Well, I think just talking about it right now with this, in Othello, I've always gotten 
the feeling that Othello and Iago are good friends. They are very close. While in this, the movie makes it very clear that they aren't close at all. They're acquaintances on a basketball team. Like, they're friends because you're friends with the people on your basketball team because those are the guys you hang out with. Yeah, like, they probably don't hang out outside of practice. Yeah, well, outside of where all the basketball boys hang out, because that's a thing. Yeah. So I think that changes things a lot, too. Yeah. Odin James gives a speech, and he invites his second-in-command, who he says it wouldn't be possible without, which is Michael Cassio. Do we know that that's his last name is Cassio? Or are you just saying it because that's the character in Othello? No, his is the only name. That is the same? That is the same. I mean, because Michael is still a modern name. And Cassio, you could just do. It's a last name. Last names can be whatever. Yeah. But they call him Big Mikey. Yeah, they call him Big Mikey. But then, like, everyone's like, woo! Yay, Odin and Mike. We love those guys. And then we cut to a party where it's a bunch of white people dancing badly. And we see Foggy Nelson. Not actually, but the actor who plays Rodrigo character plays Foggy Nelson in the Daredevil TV show. And that's all I can think about. We also see Cassio is kind of a player. He's got a lot of like ladies around him. That's just Michael Cassio from the play, too, as it's noted that he has a lot of ladies. So in this party scene, we see Iago's girlfriend, who I'm just going to call Amelia because we don't know her name and that's a modern enough name. And she's standing by Desi, but she's just standing there really awkwardly. And in Othello, they are the best of friends. Yeah. They are confidants, they are close, and it really made me sad that they don't even seem to be friends really because that's kind of the only other person desdemona's got to truly trust and i think that sucks megan why would you have such strong feelings about this don't make me talk about how i played desdemona i'm trying to be good i know Hugo goes up to Roger, Roderigo, Foggy Nelson. We're going to call him Roger because that's the name of the character. Yes. And Hugo tells him that he's going to get him hooked up with Desi. I think it's kind of funny because Roger's like, she's with Odin. Uh, And Hugo says, yeah, but they're not doing well. They're going to break up. And we cut to them. And they're like grinding on each other. (laughs) Roger's like, if they don't like each other, why are they grinding? (laughs) And he's like, it's all an act. And it's like, oh, okay. But like, in all honesty, as funny as that is, I have had moments like that in high school where the rumor mill got around like that. And it was like, they seem really happy. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's the thing. Anything goes in high school, which is actually why I think high school is a great location for Shakespeare adaptations. Yeah. If you put it in college, it it's too big. Yeah, it's too big and people aren't in close quarters. Like I would prefer it to be in college because they are older. Yes. And we're not talking about children. Yes. But there are some tight knit groups. We were in a theater troupe in college and like that could be some good fodder for dramatic yeah. things is having like a... A club. Yes. Though I think people are probably afraid that you'd ostracize people who weren't part of clubs like that. Hugo mentions to Roger that his role on the team is that he's a utility man, which means that he plays whatever position is needed of him for a game, which I absolutely fucking love. Because that's like, that's connecting theme to 
character trait. And I love it. The fact that that's what Iago is as a person. Iago is a utility person. He is whoever he needs to be to get the job done. a chameleon. Yes. And I love that. I love that in the actual text, that's what he is on the basketball court. He can do anything. Which is also why he's so mad he wasn't picked by Odin to come up and be his second in command. There's just something about being a jack of all trades and a master of none type of character Mm -hmm. that I absolutely love is that that's your deal you're never going to be the best the best you're always the bridesmaid never the bride good character and hugo's a utility man but michael he's just a fucking sophomore which is perfect because in othello iago's pissed about cassio being picked because cassio hasn't even really seen battle which yeah a sophomore hasn't seen the battle of high school and basketball and blah. The highs and lows of high school football, as Riverdale would put it. Uh, so it's like a perfect correlation. And it's just so simple. Just like, yeah, he's a sophomore. And we're like, I get it. I he's get an it. underclassman. Yeah, he doesn't know anything. <laughs> Hugo and Roger plan to discredit Odin by calling Dean Brabble. Desi's dad. Weird last name. Yes. I know it's like a Brabantio, like trying to... Brabablio. Brabble. So they call Desi's father, and basically they imply that Odin sexually assaulted his daughter. I find it weird in a modern setting that they keep it as, someone stole something from you, because it keeps that like, well, your daughter's virginity is your property, and that's so squeaky and bad. Yep. So we cut to the next day. We're in the locker room. We get a short scene where Coach Duke is yelling at Hugo because he sucked on the court today. And it's just it's just adding on to the whole parental expectation Iago Hugo motivation. Yeah, he throws an eraser at him. Yeah, this coach is a bad coach. Bad coach. (laughs) And then the dean comes in to collect Odin, and we cut to after the main accusation in the dean's office, and they think that Odin forced himself on Desi. And Odin says, ask her, just ask her, and if she says that I did, expel me, which is very similar to Othello, where Othello says, okay, ask her, and if she says I did, kill me. But I don't always like that as a way to say I didn't, because, um... Usually if you say, hey, did the star player of our amazing basketball team sexually assault you? A lot of victims are going to say, um, I mean, no, whether that's true or not. I understand why it's part of it, but I don't think that that enough is proof. But then he flat out says, no, I didn't, which I think is better. Well, yeah. So having those two combined... Megan, you're just drawing on other stories that would do something like this. And just be like, we'll just ask her. And then they never actually say it. But yeah, I don't know. I just had to bring it up because I think that sexual assault politics are also really tricky. And we're mixing in race politics and sexual assault politics. And like, I don't think they do the sexual assault politics very well in this film. No, they're obviously very focused on race politics. Um, In the 90s, sexual assault politics weren't as discussed. Yes. So, yeah, it's just a thing, and it puts me in a very squicky place. Yeah. I'm just going to clear this up for everyone. We're supposed to be on Odin's side. 
Yeah. And Desi's side, they do love each other. Yes. Clearing that right now. Getting back to the racial politics, the easier thing to discuss, obviously. No, I'm joking. It's not. The dean asks Odin, have you had any run-in with the police? Because Odin says, I've never done that to your daughter. And the dean just goes, oh, so you've never had a run-in with the police? Which is a completely different thing. And also, yikes, man. One, that's not what we're talking about. Two, racist. I love that Odin replies to him saying, have you had any run-in with the police? With, I didn't do anything with your daughter. He just doubles down on like- This is what we're talking about. You're not changing this to something racist that has nothing to do with this. Yep. Yeah, of course, the dean's like, that doesn't answer my question. They get into a yelling match. And then finally, they fetch Desi, which, first of all, like you said before, do not bring this girl in to discuss this among three men. Right. If there was Your a father? rumor, if there was a rumor <laughs> yeah. that I was sexually assaulted, I would not want to be brought into the room with the possible abuser, my father, and the person in the school who probably loves the possible abuser the most, yes. the coach of yes. his team. You take her into a separate room and ask her with like a school counselor. Yeah, be like, hey, there's this rumor. What's your take? I will tell them what you say or not, depending on what you're comfortable with. And that's not what happens because no one cares about sexual assault politics in O. But yeah, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So she's been keeping their relationship a secret from her father, obviously. And Odin's like, just tell him because otherwise I'm screwed. She doesn't say no to their question. She says that's none of your business. And that's that's wild. Why don't you just say he didn't? Yeah. So she admits that they've been together. And then he asks her once again, did he force himself upon you? And she says, that's none of your business. That makes it sound like he did. Yes. Desi. The reality of the situation, as we know, he didn't. And And they're in love and they're dating secretly. So when that is the case, Desi, you say, no, he didn't. He did not. In fact, I'm in love with him. So shut your mouth. I'm in love with him and you can't say anything about it because that's none of your business. That's what's none of his business, not the answer to if you're in trouble. It reeks of somebody who's trying to write a strong feminist character. Who's a guy who knows nothing about it. Basically, like both the director and the screenwriter are men. So like... I don't think that they deal with the sexual politics well or write a character in Desi who is dealing with... There's one moment later on I think is good, but everything else I'm like... Because <laughs> Desdemona, when Brabantio says he bewitched you... She's like, Desdemona's no. like, no, I'm in love with Othello. In fact, I want to leave and leave with Othello. And live with him. And be with Othello forever because I love Othello. Which, man... That clears that up, because what does Brabantio do? Say, oh shit, sorry. Well, the Duke says, you're fine. And yeah. Brabantio's like, rum, 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 Yeah, like, I'm angry, but like, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. But here, in here, you can't do that, because the Duke is just the coach of a basketball yeah. team. Yeah. And the Dean is the one who actually has the power, and that's their father. They fucked it up a little. <laughs> we end the scene with Odin going up to the Dean and assuring him that what he and Desi has is beautiful. And the Dean is a little bitch and responds with, you know, she deceived me. What makes you think she's not going to do the same to you? 
Man, the line does not work as well without a rhyming couplet at the end. <laughs> well, also, the line doesn't work as well when it's like, well, she deceived you because I'm black, and so she didn't want to tell you because you're racist. Yeah. It's not because, like, she didn't want anyone to know because everyone else knew. It was just you who didn't. Seems like all our friends at school are quite aware because we're grinding up in front of people. So it's really a racism look, thing. look to her eyes and you will see she has deceived her father and may thee. That's the line. I remember it. Why do you know that so Because <laughs> I played for Banshee because I played a lot of fathers that didn't want their daughter dating someone and I didn't like playing them because I cannot connect with them. We then cut to Roger getting beat up by Odin and fellow basketball boys for apparently squealing, which I don't know how he found out that Roger was the one to tell. That information was not given in the previous scene. Well, also, I personally don't agree with a person who says, you put me in a bad situation, so I'm going to beat the shit out of you with some of my friends. Yeah. It makes me dislike Odin a bit, which I can't tell if the film wants me to dislike Odin a bit at this point. And if they do, I don't like that choice. And meanwhile, Hugo gets steroids from a drug dealer. I think it's interesting that the only other black character with speaking lines is a drug dealer who does warn Hugo about the stuff that he is taking and how it can fuck you up. Because drug dealing, in my mind, is demonized when really it is something that people do to make money quickly. And, you know, what he's selling can fuck someone up, which I think is bad. Like, I think that's when drug dealing is bad, is when you sell people drugs that will fuck you up. But I think that the drug dealer warns Hugo, and I don't think this is necessarily a character with bad connotations associated with them yeah because it's steroids right yes it's he's getting steroid injections and one the drug dealer's nice enough i wish he had a name because i hate just calling him the drug dealer yes is nice enough to do the injection himself he does it for him good yes that's helpful he could just give him the syringe and walk away and then he tells him like hey something's in life you're just not meant to have don't go crazy here yeah and like thanks man Hugo needs to hear it. He's not listening to you, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to follow that advice at all. But, like, someone had to tell it to him. Yeah, the sad part is he's not in more of the movie. He, he, also he is, has, He's in a different scene, but... He also has no character in Othello that he's matched to. And no name. But as one of the only characters that's not from Othello or taken inspiration from a character in Othello, very interesting to just add him in. Yeah. But then we cut to... Some girl talk with Desi and Amelia. Again, don't they, know, really know her, her name. They call her M now. And they talk about Hugo and Mike, and just boys. They're talking boys. And Desi doesn't understand why M has such a crush on Hugo. And M goes, everyone likes Hugo. And Desi mentions, no, everyone doesn't dislike, dislike Hugo. Hugo. Hugo is just a non-entity, basically. Like, he's too much of just, he's so neutral. 
What would you dislike about him? Everyone likes him. That's the thing. It's like everyone just likes him. And Desi mentions how she doesn't trust someone who nobody dislikes. You have to have an enemy in order to be a trustworthy person. Which this is the biggest change in a character. But also, Megan, it doesn't matter in the long... No, it doesn't. So here's the problem. It's weird. One, it doesn't matter in the long run. Like, she's never like, Hugo's doing some shit later on. Right. So, in Othello, Desdemona trusts Iago. Yeah. To the point where when Othello turns on her, she's like, Iago, how do I get him back? What did I do wrong? Help me. And if you're going to say that she doesn't trust Hugo from the start, it should pay off somehow. It doesn't. You think that it's a strong choice. But in fact, it's a weak choice because it doesn't change anything. Yeah, her disliking Hugo is the movie saying, well, you should like Desi because she's smart and she knows what's what, but she doesn't do anything. But she has no agency, so why would I like her? Exactly. That's the problem. It's trying to give Desi some characterization, but if she doesn't act on that characterization, it doesn't matter. It's nothing. Yeah. It's like saying, well, I am an incredible musician, and then they never play music, and you're like, so what does that matter? Yeah. I'm glad that this is proving that she and Emma are close, even though they were completely awkward in the party scene. Maybe they're just awkward people, and Em just doesn't like parties. Or maybe they're just roommates. Or maybe they're just not written that great. <laughs> well, yes. So Odin shows up. He wants to, you know have some alone time with desi but he's fine with M being there and he gives desi a handkerchief which he describes as over a hundred years old and my great grandmother got it for me so one we know that he and desdemona have been going out for four months don't give your four month girlfriend a hundred year old family heirloom Much like in Othello, the play, we don't know if this is true because a lot of discourse around the play Othello has to do with how he tells stories to the white people around him, regaling his times as a Moorish captain and in captivating them. And basically what you can interpret is he utilizes his otherness in order to get people interested in him. And that's fine. Using your race in order to get ahead is perfectly fine. I think that that's something that this movie does also, is we get him telling Desi about this handkerchief and that puts importance on it. Also, like, it doesn't look 100 years old. Exactly. And later in the scene, Desi mentions... That he's the best at telling stories. He's the best at telling stories. And his response is, oh, so you want to know how I got this scar on my back? She says, yes. It's like, yeah, when I was born, it was a C-section and the doctor cut my back open. Yeah. And And then he's like, nah, I fell off a skateboard. Which is perfect. It's weird because that also means Othello is someone who's you don't know if you can trust what he says to other people. But that's... The point of the play. Yeah. You can't trust anyone. Yeah. And it's like... Did Desdemona fall in love with Othello or did she fall in love with the person who tells stories? Because Desdemona in the play says 
I fell in love with him watching him tell these stories. But then when we are alone together, he acts differently around me. And that's who I actually fell in love with. But also, we don't know if that is the actual Othello. Because you don't know who anyone really is. Because we all have different modes that we exist in. And black people have a concept called code shifting because they know that they need to turn off certain parts of their personality to make their existence safer around white people. And so I think this is just all culminating in this film. And I think that that's where the film is working because I think it perfectly understands that that's what the text is doing, that Othello is someone who needs to be like Iago and be a chameleon and be shifting how he acts depending on who's around him. He is a general, but he is also a husband and a friend, and he just needs to exist in these different things in order to exist. And spoiler alert, when he dies at the end, he tells what seems like an incongruous story about how he once saw a more beat a Venetian to death. And that is a metaphor for his existence and living in these different modes in his brain. Because you are not ever just yourself. You're a combination of how people view you and how you present yourself to these people. Which I, in my brain, go, and that's why I don't swear around my grandparents. <laughs> I don't actually think about shifting it. It just kind of happens when you're around certain people. You're like, I need to be respectable. I'm really bad at that. And I am lucky to be able to just be bad at that and acknowledge it and not worry. So, oh. (laughs) So, oh. He also gives Em a present, which is funny because if he wanted to be alone with Desi, why would he have brought a present for Em? But it's just a CD. It's just some rap music. Don't worry, Megan. They're not going to do anything hinky around M. They're just going to be cuddling shirtless. And braless. They just want to feel each other's skin. And to apologize for how her father acted in racially profiling Odin, Desi says, My father's smart, but he's never been through anything. And that is the most privileged excuse I've ever heard. Yeah. I wouldn't call the racist father smart to the person that he profiled. Yep. And then we move on to how Desi notices that Odin never acts scared. And he counters with, he was scared the first time that he tried to talk to her. And she's like, the first thing you said to me was, do you have a boyfriend? Which I think is exactly what I was talking about before with changing your different modes. Like his interpretation of events is, Oh, I was was terrified. I was terrified of talking to you. But what he presented was straight machismo. Yeah. And that's exactly... Masks exist. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Is you might be feeling something, but you aren't showing it to another person. So like when she tells him, you never seem scared. It's because he has to put on a front of this machismo. Because he can't seem weak. Yeah. And then he talks about how he has a big dick. (laughs) I don't want to talk about how big the teenager's penis is. It's weird. And Uh, then... We (laughs) go from something that we don't want to talk about. To something we really don't want to talk about. Where Desi goes... 
So how come I can't say the N-word? No, it's obvious. You can't. And she's like, well, my people invented it. What? No! Don't say it! Desi, no! Like, I might be putting some white guilt on my view of this scene, but this makes me more uncomfortable than most of the racial politics of Othello. So, Desdemona, in the play... Is a perfect baby. And I think that that is not great. No, because it's not real. Yeah, I think that Desdemona is like a pure white soul. And then you see the poor pure white soul die. Yes, and this gives her a little bit of an... She's not perfect because she does have this viewpoint. But at the same time, I'm like... too far. You could have had her be a flawed human being in a different way. But I think that this is so focused on racial politics that it has to have that be her flaw, but it doesn't need to be because it's really uncomfy. Okay, but here's my issue. This is from the 90s. So are we supposed to side with her? I don't know. I like, That's what scares me. I don't think so because of the fact that the screenwriter is black. Yeah. If it wasn't that... But I... like the thing is, with the directing, we're supposed to love Desi. I mean, I don't, but that's because she doesn't do anything. Yeah, no. But, like, she's supposed to be this strong-willed, like, cool, loving girl. Yeah. But, like, she's... And she pulls this shit? Let's leave that up for our viewers to decide. Thankfully, we cut to another basketball game. Okay, so we've covered a lot of basketball on this podcast. So... I have a very specific way now that I like seeing basketball in media. And I think it's really weird that they take out all the sounds of the game. Mm. And this is supposed to be like kind of tense and like an intense scene. But there's no sounds of running or basketballs. None of the sneakers squeaking. So it feels fake to me. And I just, I don't know. It's weird. And there's a lot of gay energy just because all sports are gay. Wait, what? They're just boys, and they, like, get up in each other's faces, and they're like, I didn't read any gay into this, man. You did. No, I did not. Yes, you did. You said, and kiss twice. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. When the boys do get up close and personal and go, like, like, we're going to fight. What? 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 Uh, But, yeah, I just thought it was weird that they took out all the sounds, because I think it made it less intense. But that's just a Megan nitpick, and that has nothing to do with the film, really. So... The important part of this scene is that Odin is doing real well in the game, and then he gets checked by a player from the other team, hits the ground, and then hits his head hard. So much that he just, like, starts blurring, and he obviously needs to go to the hospital. And then he is whisked back to the battle of (laughs) of Henry the fourth and and he is Prince Hal he's just in the ER we don't see him we just see a bunch of people at the ER waiting for him and it's his friends you know Hugo who's not really his friend Mike who is his friend M who takes music from him and Desi his problematic girlfriend this is definitely the port scene from Othello Because it is just these four people waiting around 
for Othello to show up yep. or Odin to show up and just like having like different character interactions. Yeah, and people being like, oh, Michael Cassio, big hug from and he, both Desdemona. And he kisses their cheeks. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and then Hugo's like, oh, you're going to steal my girl away from me. And I'm like, how dare you be jealous? You know, they just kind of like talk to each other and we see that Desi's a little cold to Hugo. Again, she has this whole distrust of Hugo, doesn't come up. Doesn't pay off. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, Hugo calls Roger and he's like, there's going to be an after party for the hospital. It's for the game. But it seems like it's a like Odin's okay party. It's so strange to me because of the fact that Odin's like, I'm all right. Didn't have to worry about me. And they're like, should you be going to the party? Yeah, it's fine. I've just got out of the hospital. You Let's were go. just at the ER. You should probably not go drink and party. But yeah, so they're all going to the after party and Roger's going to be there too. So we cut to the party. It's happening very specifically according to the script off campus. <laughs> Whose house is it? Who knows? Some rich person. And we see Odin and Desi having a moment away from other people. And I just got to mention how Odin brings up that he was afraid as a kid of riding on the handlebars of another person's bike. Because he was saying, have you ever done it? And she's like, yeah, of course. And he was just like, have you ever closed your eyes? And she's like, yeah, of course. And he's like, I can't close my eyes because basically I don't trust them. I don't know what's going to happen, what they're going to do if I close my eyes. And then he says, with you, I can close my eyes. So he trusts her. Yeah. And then he puts a rubber band on her face. Is it a rubber it's band? It's a rubber band, Megan. He ties a rubber band around her finger to ask her to marry him after four months of dating yep. in high school. Well, they're 18, Megan, and he's more sure about this relationship than he has anything so in his So much so life. that I got you a rubber band. Listen. This is, in my mind, better than the Livestrong bracelet. Oh, well, yeah. In Private Romeo. But also, I don't know, get her, like, a ring that's bad. Like, it could just be a cheap ring. They sell cheap rings places. It doesn't even have to be, like, ring pop, because I also think that's dumb. Also- But, like, you could go to Claire's and get a ring for, like, five bucks. Also, the rubber band does not matter. No, it never comes up. It never comes up again. Also, I don't know if she's wearing it. I could not wear a rubber band around my finger comfortably for more than five minutes. Anyway, at the rest of the party, we see that Hugo is getting Mike drunk. And then once he's drunk, Roger's going to make him fight. And so Roger just goads him and then... He calls him Wiffle Brain because he's a sportsman. And Mike beats Roger up, but then Odin interferes. And then I don't know how this happens, but Roger just starts bleeding. Okay, so here's what I saw. I saw they're starting to fight. Roger picks up a bottle and I go, okay, maybe he's going to break the bottle and try to stab Mike. Then Mike tackles Roger and Roger's bleeding from the stomach. I don't know how. The bottle doesn't make sense. Because what, he's facing it towards himself while someone impales him with it? No. Mike is not shown to have a weapon. I don't get it, but okay. Roger's bleeding. That's what matters. I also feel no sympathy for Roger. No. You started this? Yep. This is your fault? Anyway, Coach Duke is real mad about this fight. And eh. this is where I realized that he's actually Hugo's dad, and it blew my mind. <laughs> when I'm like, they've mentioned it several times. But Coach Dad is like... 
I need some damn answers. Who started the fight? Because if Michael started the fight, he's in trouble and I got to punish him. I think it's weird because this is in the play Othello's role. Yeah. Othello's like, who started this fight? And Othello was not a part of it while Odin is. So it is a change in that regard because despite being the MVP of the team, Odin is not in a position of power. Right. He can't be like, you're off the team. Yes. Hugo, I think, throws Mike under the bus way too fast because in the play, Othello asks Iago what happened and Iago does not say anything because Iago wants to be known as... Impartial. Impartial. And like, good to everybody. Such a good guy would never throw his friend under the bus. Well, Hugo's like, well, you know, everyone was super drunk, but also Michael did everything. Yes. It's like, what the fuck? I would be very suspicious of Hugo. Yeah, and as Mike, I'd be like, what the hell? Yeah, I threw the first punch, but he was being a shit. Like, you weren't even there, Hugo. And they mentioned how they were drunk and the coach is like, I did not hear that. Well, because otherwise he'd have to suspend all of his players. Which he should. He should. He's a bad coach. That's the thing. He cares more about the W's than about the welfare of his players. Also, usually in this sort of situation, there is a concept of you protect your boys. And Hugo doesn't follow that which i think is a bad move on hugo's part yeah like everyone should be suspicious of him or be like what the hell man but mike's the only one who gets in trouble yes and he's not allowed to play for two games because he threw the first punch in the fight and coach is just like you just shit all over the fact that odin called you up for the mvp to share it with him you piece of garbage Also, just the next two games, that is not punishment. No! You are not getting punished. He should be suspended from school for that. And he's still like, you're allowed to come to practices. What? So everyone leaves. Except for Hugo. And the coach just kind of fucking like... It's just like a burst of energy just suddenly pushes everything off off his his desk. desk. It's like, uh... You okay, my dude? And you only lost... Your second best player for two games. It's not like you lost Odin. Yeah. A bad thing happened and you kind of just covered for your boys. And he was like, okay, bye, dad. And then he listens at the door while Odin's like, Mike, you fucked up. You're such a piece of shit, Mike. I'm so mad at you. See you at practice. (laughs) And then Hugo comes in and it's like, hey, I can step in now. Which I get. We mentioned before how they changed the relationship so that Hugo isn't Odin's best friend like Iago is to Othello. But I kind of like that it gives Hugo the opportunity to be manipulative and get into that best friend space. Yes, I mean, also, like, if you think about it, it seems kind of weird that if Iago had thought bad things about Desdemona before that he wouldn't have brought this up to Othello sooner. Yeah. While, like, Hugo only just now is close enough to be able to warn Odin. In defense of the play Othello, Othello's just making what he believes to be a sound military decision in upgrading Michael to lieutenant. Yeah, he's he's got promise. Yeah, and he's smart. Like, he's tactically smart. Even though he's never seen a battle, it's like, well, I mean, usually generals and the people commanding the troops haven't seen battles. So, like, 
They're not often fighting the battles because you need them. And Iago, maybe you just need to be better at battles to be general. (laughs) Maybe just because you're there doesn't mean you're good. Yep. So we get a scene with Hugo at home for dinner. And he starts pushing his dad coach's buttons about how Odin didn't get in trouble. Well, because he's just like... If it was Odin if who it did was, in. Yeah, if it was Odin in the fight, would you have suspended him? Fair. Good point. His dad doesn't say yes. His dad just gets mad. And his mom's kind of like a non-entity who probably is just sitting there just like, the men in my life are very intense. I doubt that's a healthy marriage. <laughs> doubt it. So then Hugo and Michael are talking because Hugo is going to pretend to be a good guy to everyone. Yep. I think it's a really good addition that Michael goes like, well, yeah, but Hugo, your parents are cool. Mine are not. Mine aren't. And it's like, you don't even know. It actually makes you feel a bit of sympathy for Hugo. And you see that like people like him, but they don't really know what's going on in his life. Yeah. And they don't even notice how shitty his dad is to him in front of all of them. It's because his dad treats him like he would another player who's doing badly. But to Hugo, his dad is treating him not as his son. Yeah. But the whole point of this is that Mike is freaking out because he's like, my parents can't know about this. My whole reputation is ruined. I'm going to be in trouble forever. I'm going to be grounded for life. Everything's falling apart for me now. Mike. Who gives a fuck about reputation? So freaking good. I think this is one of my favorite original text to modern adaptation moments of this film. Yeah, it's him talking about like my mom always talked about reputation. Well, Michael Cassie was like, reputation, reputation, reputation. I lost my reputation. Ah." And Iago's like, shut the hell up. Yeah, I love it. And also Hugo says a line which I like, which is, You make your own rules. The minute you figure that out, you're free, which is terrifying. Oh, yeah. That is like, oh, I know who you are as a person. You're the Joker. (laughs) And he's like, you just need to get Odin to want you back on the team and you're in. And how do you get to Odin? You get to Desi. Desi's your friend, right? And he's just like, I don't know about this. This doesn't. Am I your boy? What? Am I your boy? That's a good moment. That like really cheesy writing. Oh, it's But it's sings. also like sleazy. Yeah. And that's what Iago is. He's a sleazy cheese ball. Am I your boy? Am I your boy? Come on. Come on. You gotta just pour out your heart to Desi and then she'll talk to Odin for you. And you're all good. And then we cut to Hugo and Roger and they're up in like the school belfry or fucking whatever where they keep all the bards. You know how the schools <laughs> just have a shit ton of doves that they keep and then a hawk that Hugo stole? Yeah, you know what you do. Okay, I also like this scene. These two scenes have like some of the best lines. Oh, Megan, I think this is... The best part of the film. This... Like setting up Hugo's plot is just some of the strongest parts of this. Yeah. But Roger's complaining that, like, Desi's not even liking me yet. It's taking forever. (laughs) And then Hugo responds with another line I love, which is, anything worth anything takes time and sacrifice, you spoiled fuck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not wrong. Here's the thing, Megan. I think Josh Hartnett's really, really good in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) There's just something about Josh Hartnett that, 
I cannot put my finger on it. He's just very good at playing shitty boys. And it's game time. But oh no, there's no hawk to fly around during the game. Yeah, because it was stolen by Hugo. Just like Odin is being stolen by Hugo mentally. Because he's the Joker. And they're facing an all-black team. Yep. And I feel like that means something. They don't go into it. That's the thing. They don't go into it, so I don't... I think you can interpret that as basketball is a majority black sport. And the Wildhawks need Odin on their team in order to be successful. Uh Uh-oh, Michael is going to talk with Desi because he's not playing. Well, because the team's sucking, honestly. They're not doing well. That's because, you know... It's got because Michael's there, not because the other team happens to be good. (laughs) Yep. Michael's just talking to Desi, chatting her up. And Odin looks over and sees it. But he's fine with it at first. And they wink at each other. And it's actually just real cute. And I can't wink. So like, I was just like, they both winked at each other just so easily. And it was just so quick. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Look at them. They're a little couple. But then the team starts winning. And they're getting excited. And when they win, Odin looks over and sees that Desi is hugging Michael. And he's like, now it's not okay. And like, I think that's one ridiculous But two, I also kind of get it because when you're celebrating your victorious moment, you want to look in the audience and see your girlfriend looking at you and you can share another moment together. Yep. And she's not even looking at him. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, I get you being jealous in that moment. So then we cut to the best scene in the movie. Odin and Hugo working out in the gym. This has a lot of parallels with Private Romeo, this film does. Because it's just set in a high school with boys, so they just have a lot of sports. What do boys in high school do? Sports and working out. So, Odin is like... We need Mike. We need Mike. Like, that was too close. We should have been ahead the whole time. And then Hugo just good. He was a good Iago. He's like, you think that Mike's a good dude? You know Mike well? Yeah, he, he got me and Desi together. Oh, Cause, well, cause, oh, no, the reason is he says that, he's just like, does Mike know that you and Desi are together? Oh, yeah, and he goes. He's like, yeah, Mike got us together. Oh. And I feel like probably, I assume Hugo didn't know that fact, and it was probably for a split second, like, oh, shit, uh, I mean, oh, weird. Oh. Oh. But it's just so good because he's like, oh, that's weird. And Odin's like, what's weird? Like, why why are you saying that? And my favorite Iago and Hugo thing is him saying, no, no, no. It's nothing. Don't worry about it. Yeah, because you make the other person want to know it so much more because it's got to be a big deal if you're not just going to flippantly say it. A thing that Hugo does that Iago doesn't do that I love is he goes, You're not a jealous person, man. I am. It's a weakness. Sometimes I see things that aren't there. And that is perfect manipulation. That is textbook. That is so, mm, that's so good. Yeah. It's like, ha, wait, so what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Yeah. And I love that because Iago never brings that up. Iago never puts it upon himself. No, because he never makes himself look weaker. Yes. But I think that this is perfect and Hugo is pulling this off. 
Because it's another way to make yourself seem more trustworthy. Because you're like, well, I don't want to get you freaked out about something that I'm probably just imagining. And he mentions how he thinks that Desi and Mike are too close. Okay, we make fun of it all the time because the line is corny as hell. But he finally is just like, just watch your girl, bro. Megan is so corny. And so late 90s, early 2000s, and so a white person trying to put on a black vernacular, and it it works. It works, because like, yeah, that's Hugo. <laughs> yep. And Odin's like, uh, okay, what the hell does that mean? And he was like, no, 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 no. let's not talk about it. I'm done. I'm stupid. It's fine. But actually, white girls are like horny snakes. You know that, right? Like, she seems like she's a virgin, but she just wants to fuck a bunch of people all the time. Well, what Hugo mentions is, you know, you've been with a lot of girls, Odin, but what I know better than you is white girls. And white girls can't be trusted. It is utilizing Odin's ignorance of white culture against him. And Odin's like, okay, so like... Should we talk to Emma about it? Like, get her to say should, something? Should we confront this problem head on? And he was like, no, you can't talk to M. White girls stick together. She'd cover for her. And not to mention, she lied to her dad. She's, she's good at keeping secrets. She's so good at it. <laughs> Maybe I could talk to Michael about it. No, 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 no. Yeah. I just love it because it's just like, you've got Hugo, like, there's obviously only one thing to do and odin says oh okay talk to michael and he's like Wait, no 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 not that one <laughs> they'll just deny it oh it's just so good he's like no you just gotta find proof like you just gotta imagine it yourself. you gotta spy on them the you gotta only... spy on them put together things that aren't real and assume until you get yourself wound up and odin's like you know what you're right i'll do that and he starts immediately by spying on Desi through a window, which immediately makes me think of 10 Things I Hate About You, when Patrick is spying on her throughout all the things, yeah. and she always looks up, because she's like, someone's watching me. And Desi does the same thing here. And it's because Julia Stiles just knows when she's being watched. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, Onan sees Desi and Mike interacting, and he starts getting jealous. And when he goes to Desi's place, because they've got a big date planned... He asks about Mike. One thing I want to point out, Odin was kind of jealous when Desi and Mike hugged at the game, and that was even before Iago got to him. Yes. So, like, I think that's important, because Othello doesn't show any distrust of Desdemona before Iago gets to him. I don't think I like that, though. No, I don't like it either, because it's like, oh, well, you always, it seems like you already had that possibility in your head. Put that basketball scene after, after this workout scene. After the workout scene. Like, they're working out prior to the game, and then he sees that, and then he continues watching her and Mike, and then he confronts her about yeah. it. It would make more sense. You could just do that easy fix. Yes. I feel like they just messed up cutting it, but no. I assume this was how it was supposed to be. And I, it just changes the character once again. It's a character change. And I don't necessarily like it. Odin asks Desi about what her relationship with Mike was before they got together. And Desi responds with, I've known Mike forever. He's like my best friend. I thought I was your best friend. Hatred. Immediately, I hate Odin. I hate him. 
Let people have friends who aren't their significant others. Yeah, when people say like... Your significant other should be your best friend. No. That's unhealthy. Yeah. And Desi tries to be sweet with him and calm him down. And she like uses the handkerchief to try to do like a cute thing with him. Then he knocks it away and it falls on the ground where it will never come up ever again. Except that we see M eyeing it. And then in the next scene, M's going up to Hugo's room. Yeah, and she says, I have something for you. Okay. Hugo's well written. He's not, but like, he He is. is. So in Othello, Iago's like, it's a common thing to have a foolish wife or something like that. Like, he does this little like dig at her. Yep. And in O, he says, you have things for lots of guys. And that, oh, good, bad, Bad. good. And then she reveals that she got the handkerchief. And he puts it in her mouth all sexy to make out with her. Gross. That's an antique. That's disgusting. It's probably got a hundred years of slime on it. Yeah, and they start to get horny. And I just want to cut away. I also feel bad because she's like, Oh, so if all this passion that I've wanted from you, I just had to steal something for it. And he shoves the handkerchief in her mouth then. Yeah. Like, kind of to shut her up. But also to be like, "Uh uh-huh. Sexy. Sexy handkerchief mouth. And it's gross. I don't want to see teens having sex. So we're going to move on to the new scene. Oh, good. It's uh, Odin and Desi having sex. They go to the Willows Motel. Oh. Like the song that Desdemona sings in Othello. Yeah. I guess is what they were going for. And Desi's like, however you want me, whatever you want to do. This- I'm giving you full consent for the night. It's a thing. You can give someone full consent, but you always have the right to take it away. Yeah. But she's like, any way you want me. And I'm like, mm, you're 18 years old. I don't want to see this. Uh, teen exploitation was a huge thing in the 90s, especially with films like Cruel Intentions and such, where it was like, this is rated R, but like, we know that teens are going to sneak in. And it's like, yeah, this sucks. It sucks because they're all in high school and it sucks. So they're having sex and it's actually a pretty like vanilla having sex, which is good because it's her first time and, you know. And then she starts to, you know, enjoy it. And he starts getting mad because how dare a female enjoy sex. And then he looks into the mirror. He like changes the position and starts getting slightly more rough with her. And then he looks in the mirror. And he sees (laughs) Mike fucking her. His face. He sees his own face as Mike. Weird. It's weird. And then he starts getting really rough because he gets mad. And she's like, stop. And she says, stop. And then you stop. And instead, he keeps going harder. And she says, stop, multiple times. And she keeps saying it and crying. And he doesn't stop. And wow, I hate this. (laughs) I put nope about 10 times in my notes because I was watching the scene and I couldn't type in anything else. So this doesn't happen in Othello. No. Is this the seizure scene? Or is this the turn, turn, turn scene? Yes, but also Othello does some bad things. But I think that sexual assault might be worse than just kind of slapping her once. Yeah, because Othello slaps her. He humiliates her in front of people. It all sucks. It sucks so hard. 
Especially because it's out of nowhere and she doesn't deserve it. I mean, but, but, honestly, but it is very few times do people ever deserve anything like that. Yes, but it but, is around other people. Yes, it's never a private moment, private sexual assault. Yeah, it sucks and it's bad. Where and she goes, yeah, whatever you want, and then he turns her trust into ash in her mouth. Yes, I. It's bad. Die. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. So then it's obviously very quiet and awkward, and they just kind of leave the next morning. And it's sad. You feel bad for Desi, obviously. We cut to Mike and Hugo talking about a girl that Mike likes. And we also cut to Hugo talking to Odin. It's inner cut scenes. Yeah, there's just a bunch of fast cut scenes. Hugo tells Odin that Mike has Desi's handkerchief because he saw him with it. Well, and that's because Hugo gave the handkerchief to Mike being like, oh, give this to her. Give this to the girl that you Girls like. like gifts. Give her this old ass crusty hanky. It was in my girlfriend's mouth last night. I would also like to mention that when Hugo is telling Odin this, they are in class. One of the only times we see these kids in a classroom and they're learning about Macbeth in class. This is a world in which Shakespeare exists. So does Othello exist? Does Othello exist? At least they're not learning Othello. Yes. For once, it's some other Shakespeare. But how dare they, one, talking class. And we've got a weird moment going on because (laughs) while talking in class, the teacher says, excuse me, young man, can you name one of Shakespeare's poems? Well, because she's mad. She's a teacher being like, are you even listening? But instead of saying, what is Lady Macbeth saying in the scene? She goes, name one of Shakespeare's poems. First of all, poems? like Do you mean sonnets? Because if so, I could just be like, sonnet five. Yeah, he he (laughs) wrote at least five. (laughs) Or like, is it his narrative poems? Because he's got two. Yeah, I'm like, do do you... But do you want to know the turtle and the dove or Venus and Adonis? Is that what you want? Do you mean... Just name a play? Just a section of a play that rhymes? Is it poetic? Because that's... It's all poetry. It's all... What do you want, lady? Are you bad at teaching Shakespeare? Yes. That is the answer. But actually what they say is... Hugo says, I thought he wrote movies. Oh, 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 this is a Shakespeare movie, Megan, and he just referenced how many Shakespeare movies there are. Oh, 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 oh. I actually really like that line. It's actually really good. And we're laughing and having a great time. And then we cut to Desi and M talking. And Desi's like, yeah, so um, I said stop. And then he wouldn't. And um, M's like, oh, so he sexually assaulted you. He raped you. And Desi goes, no, no, he didn't. And I really like that M's like, no, he did. He did, and that's not okay. Because I'm not mad at Desi for thinking that it's not, because that happens right. with people. But I like that she has a friend who's like, "No, this yeah. isn't okay, and I need you to recognize this." Yes. And then I get real mad because Desi goes, "Oh, is it because he's black?" No. No, it's because you said stop, and he didn't. No, you can't make this a race thing, Miss. Why can't I say the N word? Anyway, Odin shows up, who we really want to see right now, and he comes asking for the handkerchief because obviously Hugo told him about Mike having it. And Desi's like, yeah, okay, and she goes to the drawer where it always is, and it's not there. 
And meanwhile, in the background, we see M this whole time. Like, oh my God. Uh... Oh no. Odin starts getting more upset and he's like, find it. And Desi's like, it's somewhere here. Like, I'll, I'll find it later. Find it now. And M's just like, she'll find it later. Uh... Desi brings up wanting to bring Mike back on the team. Wrong place, wrong bad time. Bad time, bad time, girl. But she doesn't know. And then Desi gets mad at Odin. For the sexual assault. Well, not only that, he's like, okay, you care so much about Mike. Also, you're a liar because if you were a virgin, why were you being so freaky last night and saying I could do whatever I wanted to you? And she responds with, if you want to ask if I'm cheating on you, get some balls and ask. And And he he just gets mad. And she has a one more moment before the end of the scene where she's like, if you want to be with me, don't ever talk to me like that again. And he leaves angry. And this is the really the one time I really like Desi. Yeah. Because I wish Desdemona could stand up for herself, really. Okay. We're back in b-ball practice. Odin's game is completely off because well, yeah. of all the shit going on. The coach brings Michael in to replace Odin. He's like, fine, you're going to be so bad. Sit on the bench. Mike, you're in. And before he starts, Odin just starts wailing on Mike. All of this could be resolved by talking. Impossible. Which is weird because in the play Othello, they at least avoid being around each other in the play. But in this movie... They have to be right there. And so it's weird the fact that they don't just say what they're feeling. Ever. Well, like, no, because Hugo said you can't talk to Mike. Oh, okay. Oh, Hugo okay. said it. We cut to after practice. Hugo goes and sees his dad because coach invited him over for dinner in his office. Which he's is, like, wow, dad, you never invite me over for dinner. This is this hasn't happened in a long time. And, and coach <laughs> is just like, so what's going on with Odin? Sucks, man. Bad dad. But also like fair because they seem to be close now yeah but it's also just like what if you're maybe have your son over for dinner more yeah and not just talk about odin because it feels like you're just inviting your son over just to get the scoop on odin he is yes and hugo lies and he says i don't know what's going on no idea he's acting real weird lately though isn't he and so coach duke pulls a claudius and just goes hey you're friends with him see what's going on And he's like, you know, it's this really weird backhanded compliment almost. That's not exactly what I mean, but the coach says, you've always done well and you always will. But you're like, aw, thanks, Dad. And he says, Odin's different. He's all alone. You know, like he's the only black guy in school. He needs help. Like he needs someone looking out for him. He needs you. White guilt. One, white guilt. Two. Assuming something about another person. Right. But also... It is kind of a nice thing because it is like he's wrong and that he thinks that everything's good with his son. But it is like a weird backwards proof. Like, I'm proud of you sort of thing. Like, you always do well. You're always good. I don't need to worry about you, which you don't want. You want your parents to care about you more yeah. and like worry about you. But in a way, it's like, at least he's not a complete ass. Like, he does think of his son. He just thinks, but my son's fine. That's what most white people think of their kids. (laughs) It's a very realistic parent moment where you're like, you don't know your son, though. Yeah. And you don't super care. You care enough to go, well, 
I'd worry about you if I could tell you were in trouble, but I don't know you well enough to know that you're in trouble. With that, we cut to the Regional Slam Dunk Contest. A thing that is super real and very important. And Odin meets up with the drug dealer to get some uppers. And the drug dealer's like, customers pay, but you're not a customer, Mr. First Timer. Enjoy your drugs. And that's really, he's just like, there you go, bye. I will say, the drug involvement in this movie does feel weird because drugs do put you in a different sense of self. So it makes the agency of these characters feel wonky. Because a lot of what Odin goes through and a lot of the bad things that he does from this point forward, from this point forward. He's on drugs. He's on drugs. Which like makes it more forgivable, but I don't think you should be trying to make the things that happen in Othello more forgivable. Yeah, it's weird. It's a cautionary tale. So Roger tries to sit down in front of Desi and M and Mike and everyone's favorite character, Jason. Who we all know and love. We love and know. And he's been here the whole time. We just haven't mentioned him because we love him so much. And then Jason says slurs and starts flicking on Roger's ears. And then our good friend Michael starts saying slurs. And wow, I suddenly completely hate both of these characters. I don't give a shit about Cassio. I thought I liked Michael. I thought I was fine with him. I thought he was just a guy. Why did they have to make him a shit bird? Oh, he's a shitty bully. He uses slurs. Never mind. Yep. And then we cut back to Odin in the area where he got the drugs. And we find out that Hugo is paying for the drugs. So that's why Odin got them for free. Mm. And then Hugo's like, hey, Odin, what's wrong? He's like, you fucked with my brain. And he's like, you need to show me proof right now. And he puts you up against a wall and it's kind of scary. Yeah. And he's like, I need your proof right now. I love Desi so much. I'm so fucked up. And it's sad and upsetting and scary. And Hugo has another great moment where he's just like, fuck Desi. She's not some gold medal you need to win. You're the fucking medal, man. And it's like a nice compliment moment. But again... He's just like, oh, just forget about it. Forget relationships. You don't need this. And he does lie. This is like the first time he's like directly lying instead of like sideways lying. And he just says, they are fucking Mike told me. And that's what sets Odin off. He gets really mad, like storms out, just yelling like they don't know who they're fucking with. This is it. I'm done. And he goes to dunk and he tells the dunk people at the dunk contest, I only need one dunk. They're like, well, you get get three, three. sir. Only one. Only one for no reason. And then he starts dribbling the And he's taking a long time because he's so mad. And then everyone starts slow clapping along with his dribbling. Mike starts. It doesn't super matter, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah. The drug dealers watching from the corner like, wow, I wonder if he'll make it. And I was like, why are you still here? Why are you still here? And then he runs up and dunks it and he breaks the glass and the basketball rim. And everyone's like, wow. Yeah, everyone loses their shit. And meanwhile, behind the scenes, some administrator's like, our money. <laughs> All the money. 
And then a kid's like, hi, sir, can I have the ball, please? And Odin fucking pushes (laughs) Pushes him. him. And he falls down. And everyone's like, hey, what the heck, man? And Odin, like, lifts the ring. And suddenly, he's a heel in wrestling. And he's just like, I am your villain. That's the O from the title of the movie. It's the basketball hoop. Okay, but really, I want to take a moment to be like, when in Othello, does Othello suddenly go, I'm a wrestling heel. Never, Megan. Your booze fuel me. <laughs> no, no, not then, Megan. It's really weird, and now I just want to see an Othello-themed wrestler. But he doesn't get suspended, and they're like, he's lucky he didn't get suspended. I'm like, yeah, why didn't he? Yeah, why didn't he? He assaulted a kid. <laughs> he broke a bunch of equipment, and then he pushed a child. Yep. And he acted like he was being fueled by the audience's booze. All of that seems a little suspension worthy. Uh, anyway, we cut to Hugo offering Odin some cocaine. Because he's like, this will help get you through, friend. Get him through what? I'm not sure his sadness is getting down from the first cocaine. I don't know. Odin, once again, asks for proof. Hugo's proof is he just goes, yeah, it's true. Oh, that's all the proof I needed was you just saying it again. And Hugo doubles down and says, not only that, but when they're alone together, they call you the N-word. Except Hugo doesn't say the N-word. He actually says the N-word. And I go, no, movie, no. Stop having your white people express the desire to say it or actually say it. Well, here's the thing. On one hand, I definitely get like, well, these are the bad people. Well, yes, but then he should say, they called you and say the phrase, the N-word. Yes. He shouldn't go, also, they called you this thing, which it was horrible for them to say it, but I'm now going to say it? Yeah. And then, uh uh-oh. Michael shows up. Odin can't be here. Odin's like, you get that proof for me. You get it. And Hugo's like, okay, you you can't be seen. Hide on the porch. And then Michael came in. And Hugo's like, oh, tell me about Brandy. And he like whispers Brandy, the girl that Michael likes, so that all Odin can hear. Is him talking about. Him talking about a girl. Because of course, Michael's never going to say Brandy's name. And sadly, Hugo gets Cassio to talk about Odin. And he calls him the N-word, except again, he just says the word. Mike, apropos of nothing, calls him the N-word. Well, he's just like, he pushed me. Man, fuck that N-word. And I'm like, I'm not saying you can't use the N-word in your film. This is a film written by a black screenplay writer. But in 2020, putting that word in the mouths of white people, even if you're trying to portray them as being racist, isn't great no like oh well it's bad that they say it's like you still can showcase their badness without having them use the slur like mike threatens that he's gonna kill odin if odin touches him again that's bad enough yeah but brandy comes in and she's real mad because she somehow now knows that the handkerchief belonged to someone else and she throws it in mike's face And she goes, I don't want your seconds from somebody else's blah, blah. And Odin sees the handkerchief. Mike (laughs) did have it. There's his actual ocular proof. Mike leaves. And Odin's like, I'm going to murder him. And Hugo perfectly does not just go, 
what? No, he just goes, that's a huge step. What about Desi? What about her? Do you want to murder? How about we murder a girl instead? That sounds easier. They decide that they are going to do this. Yeah, obviously. They're going to kill Desi. So Hugo has Roger try to pawn a watch in order to buy a pistol at a pawn shop. And the pawn shop is like, no, I'm not going to do that for you. And Roger goes, well, do you want the watch or not? Oh, okay. Okay. Here you go. I need that watch more than I need morals. This is America. It's super easy for you to do this. And then we cut to Hugo explaining the plan to Odin. And Hugo says, when my brother is wronged, so am I. And he says, I'm you. I'm a part of you. Which to me is the line from Othello, I am your own forever. It's also gay. But like bad. I mean, I don't read the gay in this. There are certainly ways in which the Othello-Iago relationship is queer in this film, I just don't oh, see I mean, it. It's not in this film, but just if you took the writing away from how it's actually acted, it seems pretty gay. Here's the plan. Are you ready for me to describe yeah, the plan? Yeah, it's going to be really easy, right? Because, you know, killing Mike is a big step, so they're going to take a baby step, right? So Hugo and Mike are going to go to the game early, but beforehand, Hugo is going to convince Mike to take a drink from a glass so that when Odin goes and talks to Desi and kills her, he'll plant evidence to incriminate Mike. And meanwhile, Hugo and Roger will kill Mike and make it look like a suicide. I've got one note, Hugo. You said killing Mike is a big step. So you're planning to kill both of them in an elaborate murder-suicide. See, what I like about it is how simple the plan is. And of course, much like Iago does in Othello, he definitely needs Roger as part of this plan. A man who we definitely trust to get things done. (laughs) (laughs) He's only ever shown that he's a doer. He gets stuff done. Yep. So we cut to the plan. And oh no. Mike's not going to drink. Oh, wait, no, never mind. He, <laughs> he does. It's not really a... This whole thing, it keeps setting up things like, oh, nope, the plan's not going to work. Oh, wait, no, it worked. Yeah, because Mike just goes, what about Brandy? Can she come with us? And... Yeah, it's like, oh, no, Brandy's going to be part of it. And then Hugo just goes, oh, no, she's meeting us there. Oh, okay, never mind. And I, I, I want to say that I did read that the director, Tim Blake Nelson, mentions that he likes to view hugo's plan as something he's making up as he goes along it's not like the mastermind thing like everything that he does in the film is he's just taking the forward momentum that he has established and trying to make it work to see how far he can get it's quote-unquote planned as in he said what he thinks should happen before doing it yeah he didn't practice it or anything no he is a white rich boy who is using the momentum that he has gained to try to see how far he can take this and he has taken it as far as murder so we see desi brushing her hair and em leaves with desi saying i'll meet up with you later so i guess this is just the willow song scene that was it that was it we don't get any how much desi has been hurt by these things and em tries to talk to her and then she sings a haunting song about death and eh, no we don't get that 
We see where everyone is before the plan goes down. The coach is at the game waiting for his players to show up. Hugo's with Mike driving down. Odin is going to see Desi. We're setting up everything for the finale. And in the car, Hugo and Mike pass by Roger's car, which is <gasps> on the side of the road with its lights flashing. And Hugo goes, oh, that guy might be in trouble. Maybe we should help. And Mike's like, no, I'd rather be at practice doing warm-ups than help a man. And we see Odin sneaking into the room. And he- oh, he's going to get her. And whoops. Roger is like, I'm going to attack Mike. And oh no, Mike can defend himself. Also, who, Roger's a fuck. Who didn't see this coming? Like, it is the one part of both Iago and Hugo that I just don't get. Why, Why do you, you trust Rodrigo slash Roger? To do any part in the plan. Keep him out of it. He's a fuck up. That's the biggest suspension of disbelief thing for both of these well, stories the for me. the thing is, if they were able to do it successfully... He would have clean hands, technically. Yeah. You can't trust this guy to do it. He has been nothing but a fuck up. And then, whoops, Roger shoots Mike's leg instead of killing him. And then Hugo's like, You shot his leg, you're a dumbass. And Roger goes, I shot him, I did it. No, it's supposed to look like a suicide. You have to kill him in one shot. Which one? That's a lot to ask of anyone who's never killed a person. Yes. Uh, Two. Yeah. So then Hugo's like, Roger, you know, things just weren't going to work. And I'm so, so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Shoots him in the gut. Why did he apologize to Roger? Because he's not a remorseful character. Oh, I mean, I I felt like that was just him like being cruel, like fucking Scar and Lion King. And just being like, man, I'm so sorry. And then just fucking shooting him just so you have the reaction of just like, what the fuck did you do? I thought you were leading me one way and I didn't know. So he was just being a mean motherfucker. Okay, fair. And then he goes and shoots Mike. And he's like, okay, time to leave the scene. Whoops, Brandy shows up. Yep. And Hugo's like, oh no, they killed each other. And Brandy, being a smart girl, is like, uh, no, I don't trust this. Bye. Bye. Best character. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she does nothing wrong. No, she's like, I like this guy. I found out he gave me something that was another girl somehow. I still don't get that. So I'm mad. Yeah. But I still care about the guy, so I'm going to follow him because he said we were going to the game together, so I'm following him. And whoa, all these guys are dead except for one guy? I don't uh, trust I, that I, guy. I'm going to get the police. So then we cut back to Odin and Desi. And Odin says that he is sorry to Desi. They kiss, make up, and then he starts strangling her. Okay. I feel like this makes Odin far more of an Iago character because like it's deceit. Yeah. And in Othello, Othello goes, this you is... wronged me and I'm going to kill you now. This is why I'm going to kill you. I need to tell you why this is happening. I loved you and you betrayed me and I have to kill you now. And she gets to say words in response to him. And in this, he goes, I'm sorry. And she says no words from then on. Yeah, and she just dies, uh, which brings me back to the point where I think this film does a disservice to Desi, Desdemona, and Julia Stiles. M comes back and sees that O has done this bad thing. 
before she can confront Odin, like Amelia confronts Othello and is like, you're dumb, she was faithful, etc. She doesn't get that. Instead, everybody shows up, including Hugo. Everybody's here now. And M goes, the handkerchief. We get this little bit that's from Othello, where she's like, no, all this shit's wrong. Shut the fuck up, Emily. I don't know. There's just these little bits. It's the way he says Hugo. these lines. Josh Hartnett's a good villain. Yeah. And then he shoots M. I wish M could do more in this film besides having this one scene where she's actually interesting and then immediately dying. And at this point, when Hugo shoots M is a thousand percent where I think the studio saw the cut of the film and said, you need to push this back past Columbine because he shot a person in a dorm room and everyone starts freaking the fuck out and it right sounds realistic yes because everyone's like oh my god a gun just went off and everyone's screaming and, and terrified yeah. and running even though this happens some fucking random dude does just kind of kick the gun out of hugo's hands or like he just gets the gun out of his hands super easily so it wasn't turned- it jason I don't know. I think it might have been Jason. Our favorite character? Yeah. Okay, well. Our favorite bully who says slurs. Listen, let's just say that Jason did it. Better than some no name. But like Jason gets the gun out of his hands and it's like, okay. And Odin realizes that he was lied to. Yeah, because Odin Odin gets the gun. Yeah. And he picks it up and he points it at Hugo. And Hugo just says, I did what I did. That's all you need to know. I'm not saying anything from here on out. But he doesn't bite out his tongue like Iago does because that's unrealistic. <laughs> and that's a thing from early modern theater that people don't just do now. And Odin starts freaking out. I mean, his world is falling apart. The one person he trusted, he was convinced he couldn't trust by someone that he also thought he trusted. And truth is, his whole life is uh, gone. He's freaking out. Everyone else is freaking out around him. The police start showing up. Because everyone thinks he's going to start shooting them. Yeah. But the truth is, it's the opposite. He yells to everyone around him, make sure you tell them the truth. I got played by this white prep school motherfucker. And he talks about like, I didn't grow up in the hood. Like, I'm not some stereotype. It's don't go saying that just because I'm black, that's why I killed someone. I was lied to and convinced to do this by some white boy. And then he shoots himself. In the chest? With a pistol? What matters to me is that they do a still shot of it. And it was more comical than it was dramatic to me. And that they do like a snapshot of him. Freeze frame with the explosion starting. Yeah. gun firing yeah it wasn't well done because that's cheaper yes than doing anything more realistic a headshot because that's also far more traumatic a a lot of money uh, a lot of money so Uh, the cops come and luckily they do know that hugo's bad and they arrest hugo there was witnesses to everything and then we start this narration that's Hugo talking. And I'm like, you literally just said you're not going to say anything else. And you're doing an entire epilogue over this. You fucking liar. You are Shut saying, up. You are saying other things. But his whole thing is just like, Odin was a hawk. And people hate hawks because they're better in one. People like hawks. Hawks are one of the most well-liked birds, probably. 
but okay. He's just up above us. He's above everyone else. And the camera cuts to his dead body. And I'm like, okay, that, that's a weird cut. I got the quote if you want me yeah, to say please, it. Yeah, please, please read the quote. Because it is a rehash of what he says at the beginning. Yes, it's like it's a retelling of it to fit the ending. All my life, I've always wanted to fly. I always wanted to live like a hawk. I know you're not supposed to be jealous of anything, but to take flight, to soar above everything and everyone, now that's living. But a hawk is no good around normal birds. It can't fit in, even though all the other birds probably want to be hawks. They hate him for what they can't be. Proud, powerful, determined, dark. Like the color of his skin? Yes. What I think they're trying to go for is, I am just a average white boy, and nothing about me stands out. Stands out. But someone like Odin stands out because he's different and because he excels. The thing is, not everyone who is othered excels. Right. <laughs> Odin just happens to be there because he's there on a scholarship for basketball. So, like, and I get it, but it doesn't quite work. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little off where you're like, oh, okay. I just want to say that Hugo does fly right to the coop, like jail. Get it? <laughs> yeah, I, I do, Megan. And then it ends on a very, like, Columbine feeling line of just one of these days, everyone's going to pay attention to me. Which also, I want to bring up Columbine, the media around it is, like, super messed up and super incorrect. And the guys who did it were not outcasts. They were fucking bullies who yeah. played sports and shit. Like, yeah, they didn't, they didn't, like, do it for the attention. No, I mean, they did, well, but, like, yes. not because they didn't get any attention, because they were fucking assholes and horrible people. Yes. So if you're more interested in Columbine, uh, you should look up. Ask a Mortician has an episode about it. It's very interesting, and it will blow your mind if you only ever heard about it through media. Yeah, it's not a poor white boy, I don't stand out situation. No. But it, it is a white privilege power situation. Yes, which is... Hugo has power. He has privilege. Yeah. He does well. But they try to make his motivation. I'm just not even I, noticed. But I, like, you're on the fucking basketball team. You're one of the top three players on it. And you get good grades. You have girls like you. So it is the fact that you just are fucked up. Which on one hand, I think the movie also understands on a level yeah. that it is also just there is something about Iago slash Hugo that is just... Fucked. Bad. And that is the end of the film. Okay, so we talked about this a little before, but before we give our final things, I just want to take a brief moment to discuss the changes to some of the characters, mainly Iago and Desdemona, and just like if we think this was successful and what we maybe liked and didn't like about it. So I already mentioned about Hugo's dad and that being an element of the film that gives Hugo a little bit more of a motivation. I don't like it because I feel like it makes it too easy. Yeah. Or it gives a concrete way for you to access it when I think it's just, this guy didn't like a person who wasn't him getting attention. And you could read that into Iago, but also it's not clear. And I think the whole point of Iago is that you don't really know why he's doing it, but he has like a million reasons. So. Yeah, like if you ask him, he'd give you a different reason every day. And but it's are just... any of them the actual reason driving him? 
And it's actually just kind of because you are a white privileged person who has power. Yeah, because you can. Yes. Because you feel a certain way and you can do this and, you and feel- possibly get away with it. So you do it. It's like the Joker. I say that a lot, Megan. I say like the phrase like, he's kind of like the, the Joker. Joker. But that's exactly what the Joker is. The Joker is someone who thinks that they can get away with things because they push boundaries. And like, we'll see how far I can push this boundary because I want to. That's the only reason I'm doing it, which I think is part of what Iago's whole thing is. Yeah. The way that Hugo's written is almost trying to make him more sympathetic. So I like sympathetic villains, but I do think it's not bad to have a black and white, like, this is a bad guy. Also, uh, I mean, there's a racial component, and I'm not going to like a sympathetic villain. Right! If they're also doing something with a racial aspect to it. Right. It's one of those stories where I will usually like when someone tries to make a character more rounded. Yeah. But I don't in this and, and and I usually don't in Othello if they tried to make me sympathetic for Iago. Yeah, because I'm like, no, he's a snake. He's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes Shakespeare wasn't that good at giving motivations. Maybe Shakespeare wasn't like a genius who was like, I'm giving him several motivations to trick you into things. Maybe just Shakespeare just forgot. Maybe he was just like, he's bad. And people were like, why is he bad though? And he's like, oh, I needed a reason? He's uh, bad. I don't know. It's about not trusting people. Don't trust him because he's bad. I think that besides for the drug angle, Odin works. Yeah, I think the drug angle makes it weird. Just like how I want most productions of Othello to cut the whole seizure bit. Yeah, well, I mean, if you don't, you're terrible. (laughs) Yes, because one, that's just really not cool to be performing on stage. And then it kind of adds this whole like mental health stigma badness thing. So yeah, the drug angle is kind of weird because it once again is just like a, but is it him? And the point is a person at their core can be corrupted by a bad force because they trust. And it sucks. Like it's a shitty moral. It's a sad, bad, sad moral. But yeah, that's it. I kind of like Odin's monologue at the end of this movie it's far more clear than othello's yeah well because othello talks about his warring thoughts in his brain about how he acts as a venetian or how he acts as a moor but odin is like don't you fucking dare make this a media circus about me it was this white boy yes (laughs) he did this i am also a victim and i am so regretting what i ended up doing because of him but there's nothing i can do except for kill myself well i mean what's gonna happen to him otherwise right like that's why i said it so bad because like i understand why he'd do that yeah and it sucks but yeah it's clear it's clear in in o so i like that about o i like odin a lot yes desi uh yeah so like we said before desdemona is a very pure flawless character she is just the perfection which is why it's so shocking when othello turns on her and doesn't believe her and what someone so perfect could actually be false and be with cassio and cheating and what and then it turns out she's just good yeah and it's like no she is just perfect 
And While Desi, they were like, we want to make her a strong female. And they pushed her to the other edge of like, well, see, but she's strong. She's not perfect. She's strong. And she's complex. She knows something's up with Hugo. But she does nothing about it. So we're going to like hint that maybe she's more than just a beacon of purity. And it changes nothing. And in fact, she just really wants to say the N-word sometimes. And she doesn't have it. Agency, much like Desdemona, doesn't. So, So, like, why change it? I think it makes it harder to accept her lack of agency when she's shown as being somewhat strong. Because someone with strength should have agency. But if someone's just, oh, I'm just perfect. I'm just kind of floating. I'm Desdemona. Oh, I'm so shocked. I never could have imagined everyone turned on me and now I'm dying. Give Desdemona in your modern adaptation something to do. Yeah. Let her fight back when she's dying something anything yeah or maybe she's like trying to figure out what's wrong with hugo slash iago in your adaptation like you know what would honestly be a great addition to just the final scene of this he says i'm sorry she forgives him she kisses him he starts to strangle her she gets the strength to like push him back or like maybe slap him or something yeah. and there's a moment where she's like oh my god what did i just do also what's he doing and then he continues yeah Like, something as simple as that. You don't need to add any lines, but just give her something to do. Yeah, or don't kill her. She doesn't need to die for him to learn the lesson. No, she could survive. It can be like Othello, where (laughs) Othello thinks he killed her, but she actually hasn't died yet. But even then, it's like, oh, okay, well, you still, there's no turning back still. Right. I wouldn't forgive someone who did that to me afterwards. No. So you still lost her forever. But... She's alive, and so, I don't know. Cassio. They made him worse. They made him worse. I like Cassio. I think Cassio's a doofus, kind of. Well, Cassio's also just kind of like... He's this guy. He likes the ladies. He likes ladies. He's a nice guy. He can't handle his drink at all. No, like, he's kind of a funny character. Yeah. And then this, uh, he's a bully who says slurs. I was fine with him until that moment. I was like, yeah, this is a fine Cassio. He's just a guy. He's good at basketball. He's friends with everybody. That seems accurate. And then he was a bully who said slurs, and I think they ruined his character. And M gets nothing. She is a nothing of a character, while Amelia has one of the best monologues for women in Shakespeare tragedies. So that is also a disservice. She's so complicated in Othello. Yes. because She's while- like, I love Iago. I also think he's not trustworthy. No one's trustworthy. Men are terrible. People are terrible. But, like, what else are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, and also she's Desimo's best friend and yet still does something that betrays her. Yeah. And it's complicated. Well, in this film, I was constantly wondering, so are Em and Desi actually friends? Or are they just roommates? I think that's all we need to talk about unless you wanted to talk about the Duke or... No, I think now we should say, though, who our MVP is. Oh, okay. My MVP is... Josh Hartnett as My, Hugo. Yeah, it's Josh Hartnett. Though I will say Mackay Pfeiffer is a close second. It is more of the fact that I think that... Iago runs the story of Othello. Yeah. That's the thing. Is like, Mackay did a fantastic job. Like we said, we really like his Othello for the most part, except for the drug thing, which isn't his choice. But like, if you're doing an Othello production... I think the actor who plays Iago is more important than the actor who plays Othello. And that sucks considering the name of the play, but that's what Shakespeare did. The other thing I think is I wish they had kept more of Othello's good shit instead of just kind of truncating it down to Mackay Pfeiffer saying 
what we had is real. And just that's kind of it. Instead of Othello who gets this beautiful scene where he talks about how How they fell in love with each other and why and like what they mean to each other. But that's gone. No. That's I think like if they had kept something like that, given Makai something to really like latch on to. Something to chew on. Yes. I think that that would bump him up, but like I agree with you. Josh Hardnett's chewing the scenery so hard and I can't not appreciate it. And when you it. look at Josh Hartnett, you're like, yeah, I could see everyone just being like, yeah, no, he's a cool guy. Yeah. Like, I'm fine with him. Yeah, until he's in too many movies, then I dislike him. I like him in the faculty. I like him in most things. Before we give our ratings. Oh, no. What do you have? I need to give what I think Shakespeare would say if he saw O. Oh, okay. I think Shakespeare would say, it gave me for my pains a world of size. It was strange was passing strange so yeah i think you'd be like basketball what's what all right megan what would you rate O? I would rate O two weaker female characters out of three times the n-word is brought up but i don't want it to be brought up marquez what would you rate O? I would rate O only one dunk needed out of I don't know, the uh, the amount of money that that pistol was worth. I don't know. Like 187? <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I like the movie more than that, but <laughs> I just I couldn't think of a second thing. No, but that's I fair. but I did have the one <laughs> dunk necessary. It is very important. It's like one dunk necessary out of one point something something enter oh you know it was a good pretty good film. I got some issues with it. Yeah, but like I, I just wanted to mention the dunk thing. In all honesty, I I like this film more than I thought I did when I watched it, and I sat with it, and I liked it more. Yeah, I remember right after you were like, "I don't think this is very good." I don't think good. this is a good film. And then the next day you were like, "I don't think it was as bad as I said it was." <laughs> yeah, I had to stew with it. It's definitely a film I think that you have to stew on. With that, I think that's it for this week's episode of Avant Bard. If you liked it, please follow us on all social medias at AvantBardPod. And if you really liked it, you can support the show at Patreon.com slash AvantBardPod. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you anon. Oh, non. Oh. AvantBard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlotte. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about AvantBard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at avantbardpod.